Each Sunday night, I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out to practice. With your host, Keith Barney. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched Nobody QVC, was the so I missed the practice, <laughs> there was no TV. Really, I'm going to zoom myself do? out, good lord, what's wrong with me? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu, I look better slightly further away. Home alone by myself for the first time in four months and feeling weird about it. <laughs> and welcome to the Out of Practice Podcast, a weekly podcast in which I and Mike discuss David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. I changed it up this time. Yeah. This week we are up to season four, episode 14, Checkmates. This is Out of Practice Podcast, episode number 75. It really feels like we've done 75 of these. But it, you're gonna just see today. me. I, it feels like we've done them just today. Just today. But I am now in higher definition. I have the uh, a new camera set up for this because I got bullied in I got tech bullied by my co-host into what? getting a better camera. Although uh, I bought a it's a Sony A33, which is about a ten year old camera, which I got mostly new. It's actually it's a great camera. The problem is because it is exactly as old as it is, it doesn't have the clean output that a lot of the new ones do set up basically for exactly what this is, uh, which gives you a clean HDMI output out of the camera without all the like shutter settings, that kind of stuff. So in order to be showing this to you without all the uh, all the nonsense, I am holding down an aperture button with tape. And because the button is a little bit recessed, I put an I taped an Advil into <laughs> the tape and then taped the thing down. So you... <laughs> This stream is brought to you by Advil and Gaff Tape. I had to scour the internet, so my camera is equally old. Uh, I do get a clean HDMI out. However, the live view setting that sends the feed shuts off every 24 minutes. So at first, every 23 minutes, I was just like, you had to release the shutter via this little remote I have, and that would... Reset, reset the timer, but then I was able to find on the bowels of the internet somebody who had flashed the firmware in order to take away that setting. So that somehow didn't break the camera. What we're pointing out here is that we are 23 going, minutes into this, my camera's going out. <laughs> remember back in the day when you go to Radio Shack, you'd try to, especially you and I as audio dudes, you'd be like, okay, I need this type of fitting, but I need it to go into that type of screen peg and you'd buy mm-hmm. like $17 worth of just random adapters from Radio Shack to get whatever oh, you're trying to get to work. Absolutely. I I think I could basically open up a Radio Shack now with all of the cables I've had to put cobble together to make this setup work. Remember back in the day when we were an audio podcast? 
I do. I have to tell the story. It's it's so tangentially. Oh, there's my cat. You can see over my shoulder oh. there. Oh, she's What's stretching up, it out. So yeah. it's only tangentially uh, connected. However, I was in Thailand, and we were. I was doing a cruise contract a couple weeks, and my buddy had brought his Nintendo Switch on board for us to play Mario Kart and such. But the mm-hmm. TVs that were in the staterooms we had were so old that he didn't have a connector to get his switch via HDMI into this component. Because they thing. were like, they only had RCA in, or was it coax? It's one of the two. I can't even remember. It was crazy. Anyway, we're in the middle of Thailand, and we are going to like random, random, way off the beaten paths, like old tech shops and junk shops to try to find the connectors we need. And, you know, about six hours passes, and he's apologizing profusely because he's like, I'm sorry you ruined your whole day in Thailand. And I said, no. You've ruined nothing. This is one of my oldest hobbies, and I'm happy to be doing it once again. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, well, I mean, it's kind of appropriate for a, 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 a podcast about a 90s TV show to talk about the all of the random old tech that made our TV VCRs work back then. Although, when I was watching the practice, at least in, in my basement, like we were well before TV VCRs. But we remember mm-hmm. that, that like AB switch that you had to make the Nintendo work. Yeah, that, sometimes like, you'd, have, you'd have to flick it to get it to like the picture to come in. I also, oh yeah, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the pod before, but in our living room, because my dad eventually ended up getting a laserdisc player. In our living room, he had a rear projection television. It was oh. probably seventy inches. It was humongous for the time, but rear sure, projection, yeah. so it probably weighed about eight tons. And I think back. I don't know that you ever got more than 480 interlaced or at least like 720 interlaced on those I'm, on that giant screen. It must have looked well, like I, shit. I, oh yeah, no, it was I don't think it I don't think it, it was above 480 at all. I mean, you're very lucky not to be 320-240. I <laughs> I'm mean, just thinking like what did laser discs what was what were they what did they output as? At, what was I the think, resolution? I, I think laser discs came in at 480 cuz they they were roughly the same as a as a DVD. Yeah, just without the grain, right? Just like a little bit. I, th- I think it's like a less compressed DVD. I don't know. Who the hell knows? This is the most boring conversation we have ever begun an episode That is not with. true, but <laughs> it is true in that it's boring. But it's not the most. It's but no way. Terribly, terribly boring. And we anyway, have let's important go ahead and things move forward. to get to. Yes, let's move forward because we have a lot of... Oh, well, let's kick it off with our good friend and founding sponsor, Leanne Wrights, who wrote on our Instagram feed about, uh, there's a screenshot of Bobby giving uh, Lucy stank face, and she (laughs) says, I feel attacked by the screen grab of Bobby and Lucy, but also I love it, Uh, which I believe that was the scene where she just wanted to go to the beach, when Bobby was like, it was, uh, yeah, so agreed. Uh, also, Phoenix writes in a couple of times. He says, uh, number one, if Cloud Lover can be the number one fan of both sports ball and weather, then I guess that means I get to be the number one hater of both. Seriously, guys, after seeing how much work you put into them last week, I started planning an intervention. I just <laughs> cringe when I think about all the quantum leap bumpers I could have been listening to instead. Such a 
a waste. And uh, yes, absolutely, it is a profound waste of everybody's time. Absolutely. Our time, your time, the world's time, the internet's time. Uh, but you have a faulty assumption. The faulty assumption is that if we weren't wasting that time, we would be using it productively in some other fashion. And there, sir, you are wrong. Because <laughs> we uh, would not be doing other productive things. Uh, he also says, <laughs> which made me laugh, he said, uh, he's quoting us from last episode. Keith, Phoenix, let me know if I have that right. Me in the bath talking to my Bluetooth speaker Yep, you're good so far. We were trying to describe the plot of the previous episode, trying to track all of it. And then he says, Keith, and so you see, it's a trapezoid of affairs. And that's where you lost me. <laughs> and to be fair, it wasn't a trapezoid. It was a parallelogram. Because if the if the two people, you have the couple here and you have couple here, and they are both dating each other, they are running, they have... Parallel. It's almost like a square because you have people dating this way and people dating this way. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. stand by the geometric shape of that affair parallelogram. So there. All of that is accurate. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know that I needed the visual of Phoenix in the bath listening to the pod, but I guess, <laughs> to be honest, you mentioned the other day you were taking a bath. I am not a bath I was taking guy. a bath. You I, tried to, like... FaceTime me while I'm in the bath. I almost threw my phone across the room. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I didn't assume you were in the bath. Uh, you know, refined gentlemen enjoy an occasional bath on a rainy day. Well, I grew up uh, as a germaphobe, germaphobe kid. So sitting in a pool of my own uh, grime as it washes around me is generally has never sat well. Hot tubs Look, I like. Gentlemen, that's even worse. That's like collected grime we don't even like wash it out in between uses you're literally just sitting in a petri dish of random like frat boys sitting in that no that's so much grosser but no you you, you rinse first and then you establish the bath if you're doing it right there i was just also, watching hamilton on my ipad it was nice in the bath in the bath with things just like bobbing and floating about no if anyway, you have we, we need have to a, no because if you have a gut like I do, you have a perfect <laughs> platform that keeps everything safe because my, you know, tubescence keeps the iPad afloat. Hashtag tubescent <laughs> Keith. Uh, <laughs> so, Phoenix, thanks for writing in. I will point out the irony that you lambast us for spending too much time, but you do create quite the productions when you send in voicemails sometimes, which I... I respect. I will Which not. Which are amazing. Yes. So you understand that if it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing, but not overdoing well. You'll notice the production quality, though it improves, it's still shitty. So that should be noted. That is our commitment to you. We will continue to get better, but we will never cross the precipice of shitty. We will always still stay shitty. Don't worry. All right. Moving on. Uh, we heard from our good friend and founding sponsor, Jennifer Masanova, who you were going to read what she said, because I thought and she asked a very interesting question. She did. We'll spend a little bit of time this week. She mentions that we, not a podcast question, but a theater question. She's interested in our perspective because we talked about Hamilton on Disney+. Plus, 
as Keith watched it in his tubescent tub. <laughs> tub essence. She says that years ago she attended a strategy conference and an example of failure to adapt was the encyclopedia. As you recall, uh, the speaker then asked how many people had encyclopedias in their home as kids. I did. I even had sure. one when it when it transferred over to CD-ROM. And then oh, they asked, I had the, the Encarta. I know the, I, we definitely had Encarta. Yes, sir. Anyway, she says the speaker then asked how many did now. No hands, obviously. Of course, that was due to the internet. Failure was the strategy of Encyclopedia Britannica or World Book, etc. They were in the book business, not in the information business, and they could not adapt to change. Same story with Kodak right. and film, blah, 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 blah. Sure, sure. You guys have said many times that your business is dead since the virus. Well, dying, a slow death. Yet you both raved about Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. What I'm asking is this. Does musical theater need to be in a theater playing music? Can it be outside in the park? Can it be on television for live performances only? I understand there's lighting and sound, music, and technical elements, of course, but there has to be a way to adapt before a vaccine is available. To make the comparison to my earlier example, is Broadway, in quotes, in the theater business or the performance business? This goes for ballet and opera as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, you'd have to sequester the entire production for the duration, test everyone. Yes, uh, plenty of precautions would need to be in place. Yet, you would have to distance the audience, et cetera, et cetera. It's far from perfect, uh, and only the tippy-top shows could probably perform in the big venues, but I'm wondering, is this a way that your medium could persevere? That's a really interesting question, because it, it gets really to the heart of what theater is. What is theater? How is it different than a TV or a movie or something like that? And I think, um, at least for me, inherent in what it is, inherent in the art form, is the fact that it is live and is the fact that it is actually happening in front of you. It is not pre-packaged or pre-produced. And so I think there are, there are ways that we can sort of limp ourselves through. But financially, if theater is... Uh, by definition, has to be performed live and has to be performed every night as opposed to you're just making a movie that on stage, which is what a filmed performance really is. Uh, there's not a lot you can adapt um, because of the financial aspect of theater. The only way theater works, the, the, the financial margins are so slim Everyone's talking about, oh, just take out half the seats and do Broadway with half the seats. Well, it, you can't because you will lose – it cannot sustain itself financially like that. The only way Broadway works is with full theaters. And the only way it is Broadway is to be live. And that's – that is the nature of the thing. You can't have a restaurant without food. You know, at there so – I think there are adaptations that people are making, but they're adapting to survive long enough to get back to what the thing is, where it does sort of have to be live or else it's not what it is, by definition. I think that's a really succinct exploration of a topic that could be, should be, probably is its own podcast and, and a whole show worth of conversation. Yeah, yeah. I'll add that there are other roadblocks in that 
there, you know, speaking of failure to adapt, we're seeing that right now with a lot of our unions. I'll use our performance union, the Actors' Equity Union, as an example. Right now, our whole the whole model of that union is based on accruing finances through dues and through working uh, capital. Right. So as you work, as people on Broadway, from people at the top of the scale to the bottom of the scale are working, you pay a percentage of that into the pool, which helps people get their medical coverage and pay for all the things that a union does. Right. But the union also has to look out for its actors. So right now we're at this impasse where the union has certain soft guidelines that aren't particularly clear, but to, to safeguard their performers. And since no companies right now have really major venues, I should say, have stepped up to the plate to accept or get approved their safety measures, basically 100%, almost 100%, 99% of the Actors' Equity Union is not working. And yeah. in fact, giant employers like Walt Disney World has have not agreed to some of the quote-unquote demands that equity has put, safeguards, let's say, has put uh, out in writing. And so right now, equity actors are not going to work at Disney World. We're at, we're at an impasse. So right. speaking of failure to adapt... That's kind of where we are. Do I think that well, we can survive? Yes, I think we will because because artists will art. And, you know, big commercial Broadway theater didn't exist in its current form f f all, for always. I mean, right. if you look even back to the 50s, 60s, and 70s, art was being made and, and people were pulling up uh, finances by their bootstraps and getting things produced and, and creating guerrilla theater and young people... We're starving artists, and I think we're going to get back to that because I think we're going to have to adapt and find a new way to bring our art form forward. So that's a silver lining, yeah. I guess. Well, and, and I don't, I don't know if. I guess the way I think about it is there really isn't a third way to do this. I think we will survive because people want live theater and once we you know what once there's a vaccine or we do whatever i don't think it's going to be measurably different than what it is i do think it will come back it just means that you know and what you're saying with equity and you know not allowing people to work well at this point i i think it's irresponsible for to put up a show right now anyway regardless of what safeguards you have for the audience for the it's it's not something that can be done right now I don't think there's a creative solution to this other we just sort of have to wait it out. You know, and the other thing, you know, talking about filmed shows in Hamilton are uh the financial parts there too because mm -hmm. all of the all the people involved get paid once for that. So, uh every every actor gets a check, every lighting person gets a check, the writers get a check, whatever. And that you know, and that might be a big check and that's great. But our entire business is based on having an occupation as opposed to one gig so that you're, uh, you know, if if I'm if I've written a show, like, let's say I've written Hamilton, the way that works is that you as the writer get a percentage of the gross of the show. So every week you're getting a check based on how many ticket sales you had that week. And it's just never going to if you sort of do it once then you know that's all out the window you're never going to get paid as well all, all the people there don't have jobs like it's sort of again i think it's great i'm glad that 
these things are filmed. I'm glad that they're archived. I think it ha- holds a lot of value. It just can't replace the meal. Yeah, right. And, you know, to, to point out, it, we'll just keep using Hamilton as the example. Yeah, Disney paid $74 million for Hamilton. That I don't know specifically what the production costs of recording it was. I'm sure it was very expensive. And, you know, it's very rare for a company of actors to be as... Uh, upfront in asking for a percentage of royalties of, of video recordings and such upfront. So a, a lot of those actors in that original company or the most of the original company got a payout from that $74 yeah, million. Oh, for sure. But every person who's in Hamilton on Broadway, in Hamilton on tour, in Hamilton overseas, in London, wherever there's companies of Hamilton, and there are plenty of them because it's yeah. the number one show out there, nobody making any money right now, so regardless well, and, of and, the streaming. And also, that $74 million is a very small amount of money compared to what the show makes live. And I just looked it up because uh, I work for Theatrical Index. <laughs> uh, just the Broadway production of Hamilton in the last five years has grossed $649 million. So it's they're not even getting 10% of what it's done just that one production in just these five years. And so that's going out to so many more people. And of course, that is the exception. Most shows lose money. <laughs> it's a ter- it's a terrible idea uh, financially unless it becomes something like this. But again, you're just not... Because of streaming, and this is becoming a very long conversation, but there's no money to be made streaming anymore. You know, the cast albums lose money. Because nobody buys albums anymore. You, the recorded music, recorded anything, loses money comparatively. It's, it's not like it used to be. And so the only, you know, if you're, if you're Britney Spears, you're not making much money on your albums. You're making your money on live concerts. That's where you get your money. So it's, I mean, of course you have to adapt right now, but the powers that be that determine these things have made it very difficult for the artists to survive in anything other than live performance. Yeah, for you know, for everyone out there, also I'll point out, I'll put it in the show notes. <clears throat> there are some, I know there's so many, <laughs> sometimes it's, it's, it's analyzation and paralyzation uh, that there's so many different great causes that need donations and need money <laughs> and and I would never fault anyone for making their decisions. You have to do what's speaking to you at the moment. But artists are hurting right now, and there are there are yeah. uh, Broadway Cares is is one. There are plenty of of organizations that are collecting money and helping uh, artists who are struggling. So I'll make sure that that there's some sort of a semblance of of yeah that available no, to it, if, if you're interested in helping in any sort of way. It's it's no. It's I mean it's very true. I mean both of us have day jobs, but both of our wives are, are actresses and who probably are not going to have a, like a job in our business for a year. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe. and, it, it, and I know. got offered today, uh, a singing gig in the Catskills August 1st. So did you really, I did. I, I, I mean, I, I just, for my, per, I just personally don't feel like it's appropriate just yet. Especially since the the yeah. target demographic for the the group I sing with are, are older senior citizens, right? It, it just doesn't, right? There's so many. There's so many 
moving parts to this. So we'll continue the conversation as we move because television is affected too. I mean, there's they've halted production on just about everything. So yeah. Uh oh. No. Keith, uh, no. the Advil's out. Uh, the Advil. Hold on. Hold on. I'm gonna fix it. I wanted to be in. Oh God. Now it's all going. Uh. The Advil's out. Uh oh. We're gonna have to edit. No, no, this is all, this is fun. People like watching us be shitty. <laughs> this, you, you really have. You know, I just tried, I felt like I was out of focus and I tried to fix the focus and now I've got a square on my head. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're going to get this. You made a mistake. I, I definitely made a mistake. All right, hold on. That's. Good. Now let's get myself back in frame. Oh, there he's back. Now let's focus me. Hey, okay. look at that. All right. <laughs> I, I, I stand corrected. <clears throat> All right, See, Jennifer, I, I know that we, we took you this. on a long ride there, but uh It's but it's it's a ride that we're all on. And yeah. it's I, I think it's a it, it's the discussion that all of us in our business are having every day with each other. And the simple answer is nobody knows what's going to happen. Nobody knows what to do. Nobody has any, any clue no. what our, what our life is going to look like in for the next year. But, but you know, for, uh, for our standpoint, there's a lot that we can do. I mean, as, as a writer, I'm writing constantly, you know, we're, we're obviously doing this. These, these are the type of things that you can do right now. So you, <laughs> you go parallel you you take a parallel journey. See see you take a rhombus, right? No. Okay. So <laughs> I think is that every is that all our filings this week? I I think that's uh I think that's it. I think we have wasted enough of your time. Oh, we got a great it, story share, I should point out. Uh we had shared some videos of Lucy when she joined the cast and uh friend actually, of the that, pod. That was, it was it wasn't our video, actually. I think it was Marla Sokolov's video. Oh, we she just, just got tagged credit us? for it. Yeah, oh. she's tagged us. Well, so, <laughs> that's, that's that's the kind of weight we throw around here with the cast of the practice. <laughs> yes, but as you but you were saying, and we didn't actually say, and uh, Marla Sokolov actually uh, outed it or added it or what, what do you what do you kids call it when the what, Instagram where yeah, they, well, someone they tell us put what you that, in the story? Yeah, you're is it, well, it used to be tagged, but I don't think it's that we got added. Is that right? I don't know. Oh my I, god, I, we're all <laughs> forty. What forty? Well, you're not forty yet. It's coming. No, man, I'm I'm, I'm fast tracked. You'd think I'm eighty five with my hair. Uh, where are we going now? All right, it is time to hop back into the time machine and ask ourselves. In the basement. Oh, I was right. Yeah. So we are talking. <laughs> God, what a mess. Yep. We this episode entitled Checkmates, season four, episode fourteen was. Uh, aired on the day of February 13th, 2000. And uh, so that brings up the question I already asked, what were you doing this day in the basement on February 13th? I'm going to let you go first because I have some visuals and you don't, so I'll oh. save that. Yeah. Oh, fun. Yeah, well, I, it's, I'm still sort of in my dark period where I don't necessarily remember much at that time. Um, but what I was doing, and I, I told the story of my Italian teacher from freshman year, who was this like amazing, fun teacher who went by the drag name Queen Dici, uh, teaching Italian. So he was super fun. 
But I'd like to give him credit because he was also our German teacher. So he was so good at language, he taught collegiate level language in both Italian and German. So what I was doing was struggling through the German language, which was actually my favorite of the foreign languages I was forced to uh, try to learn. They tried to cram down my stupid head. Uh, but I really, uh, I was sitting there in class. I was uh, screw, like ruining all of the textbooks we bought for $10 billion by uh, scribbling in all of them and all of my friends' books as well. So that's what I was doing. What's up, Cece? You know, it turns out uh, that even when spoken at its most fluent and beautiful, it still sounds like a German speaker is struggling through the language. Coming back, oh, see, that sounded funny when I was like gearing it up. Yeah, what Yeah, what happened there? <laughs> Comedian. <laughs> Nine. So, well, a lot of people in our age bracket, Keith, you'll recall, were really big into Calvin and Hobbes, the comic strip. That was like sure. the hotness. I was always a classic Peanuts guy. Loved Peanuts. Loved Charles Schultz and the whole gang. Really? And uh, I remember feeling real sad and going through, I had a whole bunch of collection books and rereading all the collection books when he passed away. And it turns mm. out, go figure. Let's see if I can get this to load up. Yep. Oh, look at that. This date, this air date, was the last original Peanuts comic strip appeared in the newspaper one day after Charles Schultz died on the 12th of February, 2000. Interesting. Interesting. And what what is, is that what he did, that they reprinted that, or did you do that? I did not do this. I found this. Uh, so I don't, this is not what appeared in the newspaper, but I think this is a sketch of the comic that appeared. Interesting. Huh. Uh, I remember that. That was sad. Yes, that was sad. But I also remember two other things that I'm going to bring up. One thing us tech people never forget is I got one of my newest computers. Oh. Of the time. And it was a Gateway 2000, if you recall. And sure. it had a blazing fast processor, I recall. And I'm going to play the commercial from the time so we can oh. hear the, the hot specs of its The speed. blazing Pentium 2, I'm imagining. So you want a PC with awesome power. But you don't want to clean out your savings. No. Oh my God! You don't want to get off the couch. Well, sit I back don't. and call 1-800-GATEWAY. For an incredible $1,299, you can get a Gateway Select PC <laughs> with a blazing 600 megahertz AMD processor. Oh, it was an AMD. Right to that place you yeah. call home. Call 1-800-GATEWAY. And what was I playing on that computer, Keith? Oh. On February 4th, 2000, so but a week before this aired, the original Sims came out. Oh, and it was no the first kidding. game I purchased. And the uh, we're Sims. looking at the hot graphics from the, actually pretty good. They're pretty good. Yeah, I was going to say like it's not that much different. I mean, now it's stylized. Now, I loved SimCity and all and Sim uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon where yep. you tried to run a successful park or run a successful city. The thing about the Sims that ended up never clicking for me is that there was I need some sort of goalposts. There's nothing to do. There's no like achievements and there's no specific right. goal. Anyway. It's, yeah, it's odd. It's odd that there would be no, like just build Winning? your own life. 
Yeah, people do that. It turns out The Sims 4 is still one of the top-selling games across all consoles, and my niece plays it. Is it really? My niece plays it religiously, and recently she texted me and said, I killed Grandma, and all <laughs> the expansion packs, apparently you, the, uh, the characters can die and then become ghosts, so she forgot to take care of my mother, who she made in The Sims. <laughs> my mom died, and then oh became a God. ghost, and just the ghost follows her around the house. It's pretty hysterical. So that's amazing. Yeah. Well, I from watching that ad, I, I had no idea they were so like horny. Well, Sims oh, yeah. are always getting up. Pretty yeah. horny. Yeah. So that's Which, just stay in the basement. If I'm like twelve, I could understand why that would be entertaining. I can pretend like I have a house and like, you know, try to seduce chicks into my digital hot tub. But yeah, okay. yeah I, I, I can't imagine why that, that would be. The second we're done this recording today, you're going to go <laughs> seduce Sims into your digital tub to watch Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right. It is now time. This day in the basement. That's the wrong button. This is the right button. It's time for the Out of Practice Podcast's This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Okay, we are talking about February 13th, the year 2000. The number one hit was Thank God I Found You with Mariah Carey featuring Joe... And 98 Degrees, the boy Ooh. band. I would give up everything so, this is... Uh, he sure is. So this is uh, the YouTube cover of this that has the fewest listens that I could find. Should we credit the person who's singing, or are we not going to do I don't, that? I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm unclear whether what the ethical thing to do is on that. Are we giving him a bump, or is it? I don't think we're giving anyone a bump. Okay, so the local paper, the Burlington Free Press, said that you know, state that targets... Out? Why don't you roll that out? Roll that right out now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, the runs are very distracting. <laughs> All right, so the Burlington Free Press said state targets 39 schools to aid which I believe uh, was talking about Act 60, which I mentioned before about the sort of revenue sharing of the public schools. And I think that was about them figuring out which uh, districts needed more support. The top movie was Scream 3. Again, took in $16 million. And now it is time for... It's time. It's time. It's time, it's time for sports. Sports. On a busy night in the NHL, the Sabres tied the Oilers 2-2. The Red Wings beat the Avalanche 4-3. Dallas beat Washington 2-1. The Devils beat the Sharks 3-1 in New Jersey. And the Islanders beat the Rangers 4-2 at Madison Square Garden. Shaquille O'Neal and Tim Duncan were the MVPs of the 2000 NBA All-Star Game, which took place on that day. Yeah! And now they're in the NBA is in the Disney bubble right now, right? They're about to come back. Day baseball comes back next week. Where people and trying. the NHL starts August first, yeah. which is something you know. Speaking of what can be done and what can't be done, because uh, sports are most of their revenue comes from television, they can go ahead and do it. So uh, I'm excited. I'm excited as long as they do it reasonably. 
Okay, <clears throat> enough of this nonsense. We can finally move on and talk about all oh, the weather. Weather. Can you tell me the weather? Oh, I can. Weather. I'm about to. Cause we, we all want to know. Was it hot or did it snow? Tell me the weather. I love this part because I'm not in it now. <laughs> I don't have to see myself during this segment. I love it. That's a good point. Hello out there, practice fans, and welcome oh to my God. report for February 13th in ah! the year 2000. Across our Oops Metaverse, we are firmly in the icy clutches of winter, with temperatures yes. in the suburban Philadelphia region topping out at 35 degrees. Out in Boston... We hope Bobby is making Lindsay a fire because it's only getting up to 28 degrees. While ah! in Rochester, the low is all the way down in the teens. So make sure to keep your Valentine close to keep you warm. And as a personal favor, if you happen to be out near the Eastman School of Music, I ask you to check in on any lonely hearts you might know. Oh, look and at that me. was your time machine weather. Oh, oh. my God, you continue. <laughs> to excel, to raise the bar, to make this segment even more of a waste of time because as opposed to just wasting our audience's time, you had to spend all of the time to do that and I am finally here for the weather segment now. Wow. Well done, yeah. Wow, that's well, a big win. Yeah, I'm, I'm, as long as you keep up the production values, I am on board with the weather segment. Oh my goodness. You know what? I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. And I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode. It is finally time. We have wasted 37 minutes of your day. But now we are going to talk about the episode of The Practice, which is why you're all here. This is Season 4, Episode 14, entitled Checkmates. It was written by David E. Kelly, of course, with Alfonso H. Moreno, who last wrote on Home Invasions, and Jill Goldsmith, who last wrote on Legacy. It was directed by a first-time director for The Practice by Andy Wolk. His, this is his first episode. Like I said, he also directed on Defiance, The Carrie Diaries, Gossip Girl, and the division, which leaves us with only one more question. What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? You know, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? Well, I guess they've given up on the previously ons because they're just leaving me out there. And I've realized that I've let down our public lately. I haven't been taking oh, big no. swings. I've been. Yeah, I've where's been, your big. I've been safe. Didn't you say there was going to be a shark in the last episode? Uh, no, you. A lone shark. You were obsessed with the actual sharks. So here we are, <laughs> checkmates. I'm thinking chess, but every mm -hmm. episode is sort of a game of chess, right? So I'm thinking a. Pro a prodigious child chess player, potentially okay. on the autism spectrum, very okay. introverted, is accused of murdering his opponent. Oh, okay. 
and the firm has to come and defend him. And we'll see if uh, Queen takes Rook or whatever chess people say. <laughs> All right. I'd, I'd watch however, that episode. However. Yeah, however, I wanted to point something out that we just let Wither on the Vine last week. You you and oh. I both missed it. And you watched the episode before twice. Yeah. Technically three times in the past 20 years. For sure. Yeah. So we talked about the big, and this is a, we sometimes are critical of David E. Kelly's writing specifically. However, I wanted to give him a pat on the back. I know he's been looking forward to one of those from me. So we kept pointing out that we enjoyed the big, I don't want to call it a twist, but the big reveal where Lindsay figures out on the spot that it's the glasses. It's the glasses. Right, right. Right, that's the thing. So in queuing up the episode today, I accidentally started last week's episode and in part two of, which I believe is called Hammerhead Sharks last week. Yes. The first line uttered by Lindsay in the first two seconds of the episode, she says, it's the glasses. And she's trying to figure something about it, the glasses. So they he bookends the episode by dropping the hint in the very beginning and then the big reveal is the glasses. So I think that, I thought that was cool. He planted the seeds. He planted the seed. What? Yes. And uh, I planted my glasses in the ocean, but I have new ones coming. They finally shipped. So you will not have, I, I bought these because uh, we, I get them from Zenny Optical, which is like coming from Korea or whatever. They're all super cheap. And so I'm like, I'll get one normal one and one that's like crazy and out there and weird and whatever. I'll never wear it. Well, but now they're my primary glasses, these weird, bad glasses that do not make me look good, but they cover up part of my face so they're doing you know job. in solidarity keith when we come back for the oopsies in just a few moments for those watching on the youtube you uh, I'm, gonna put on, I'm gonna put on my blue squaresies so that we're twinsies oh well that's gonna be good for everyone that's ratings <laughs> baby the ratings hit we're gonna the have ratings, for that oh my the God. Boom. yes look out so if you want to listen to us listen to the episode and we can all listen together and enjoy our <laughs> quippity quip quips as we go rook to square six or whatever we do as we're waiting for Bobby Rook to square six Bobby McDonald Fisher uh, to do his <laughs> chess stuff you can click the link in the show description to jump to the podcast and listen along with us and we will see you for the oopsies after this ad for Anchor that if you're on the YouTube you don't have to listen to The Practice Season 4 Episode 14 Check Checkmates I wonder how really many episodes it, start on that sound. I really hope it has something to do with chess, though, because, you know. Maybe this is Bobby Fischer. But what about doing that motion for discovery? Daryl, we've already been Because they need to discover that I didn't do this. The motion for discovery just asks for state's evidence, which we've already done. What we're talking about now, Daryl, is the trial. Oh. We need to do that, right? Because as long as I'm in here, well, then my grandmother's all alone. Does she qualify as potentially on the spectrum, Keith? I still think our best hope uh, may be not with mental spectrum. health issues. With a borderline IQ and your background of physical abuse. But I told you before, I don't want to go to a mental hospital. I want to go home. I understand what you're saying. I really do. But if we lose a trial, you won't get to go home either. But we can't lose because I didn't kill the kid. Well, unfortunately, it doesn't always work that way. But I can tell him I didn't do it. 
Well, I think the prosecution might ask for more than that. Why would they do that? Yeah. All right. Guy with a borderline IQ who killed somebody, maybe. Bobby Fisher. (laughs) Who is Bobby Fisher? It is Leo Fitzpatrick, who you would know from the controversial movie Kids, Bubble Boy, Gotham, My Name is Earl, and The Wire. I had none of those references until you said Bubble Boy, and I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> but None of that made any sense except for Bubble Boy. Perfect. Aren't we all Bubble Boy now? Richard, he is 17, Surely. going on 12. Uh, you had your evaluations. The kid can stand the trial. Come on, I know there's a big humanitarian trapped inside that little Nazi body. Oh, yes. Make little jokes. That's very big of you, Eleanor. ADA Richard Look, Bay Richard, I know you and I have had our differences. Ask Brian Tebbett's parents what they'd like to work out. Your client killed their eight-year-old son for sport. Daryl Hutchins has the IQ. I am rabbits, not right? making any deals. I'm sorry. Yeah, so... <clears throat> all right. Memo to David E. Kelly and the writers of The Practice. Okay. Uh, can we all just agree that Richard Bay is shorter than average and move the fuck on? Wow. We get geez. it. He's short. It's enough. Enough already. All right, man. I, I mean, are you okay? I, I, I'm not okay. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm average height, but I still feel like I should stick up for the poor guy. Damn it. I did it again. You sure did. Okay, so we have ourselves a uh, an interesting case here. Somebody with uh, diminished capacity has been accused of murder. We have a fun antagonist in Richard Bay is going to be here. I'm really happy to see that Cameron is uh, taking the lead on a case because we haven't really seen enough of her lately. And she seems like a really good character to be taking on this case specifically because she is someone who leads with compassion unless she's talking to uh uh lindsay wow my brain is not good right now here's helen gamble we haven't seen her in a while she didn't make the trip to la as we can tell by her stunning lack of tan was your father beating you because if he was we could be talking self-defense James Pickens Jr. is back. Your neighbors heard you and your father arguing last night. Someone saw you running from the house. Domestic abuse. If you panic, that's totally understandable. She. Wendy, look at me. Look at me. Let me help you. All right. Lady that Mike finds familiar. I already said victim of domestic abuse, but I'll say it again on pitch. <laughs> that is Stacy Hogue, who you would know from uh, Dallas Junior Returns. Mm, of course. Uh, she was also on Pacific Blue, and she did an episode of Boston Public in the same universe as a different character. So maybe I like ran into her at Whole Foods or something? It's possible. It's possible, yeah. You tell me it was self-defense, and that's what I write down. Can I write that down? Yeah, girl. I wasn't in the house. She's not going to talk. Where's the boyfriend? Next room. Oh, 
Evelyn is on a mission this morning. She's always on a mission. Listen to me. If she goes down for murder, you could be an accessory before the fact. That's life in prison. Both of the cops. You ready for that? This is Nick Cornish. Last night could be a big break. Get excited. Maybe you didn't know. Colin Taylor's name just popped up on the credits. Maybe she didn't tell you later. You come forward now, you won't look like an accessory at all. I'm not gonna talk. Look, Scott, I could be your friend here or not. My dad's a police officer. I know my rights, and I want a lawyer. Scott's not going to talk. Detective Frank Lopes. That means something to Rhea Bruzzo, but not to us. Helen standing in the shadows looking scary. He's Frank's kid. Any ideas? The thin blue line, Keith. Well, she probably you know all Frank. about that. I think we all in that. Yes, indeed. This will kill him. So that's the same case. I am not that commenting on the facts of the case. I am merely no, stating my opinion oh, that the okay. Commonwealth is turning into a police state. Daryl Hutchins doesn't have the mental capacity no, I mean the, to defend him. No, I mean the other interview room. Those two interview rooms. That was the same case, right? The, oh, yes. The domestic yes, yes, abuse yes, yes. and then that guy. Right. That, so that is the boyfriend of the girl. And they, her father is dead. And they're trying to figure out who did what, how. Who was an abuser. Her father was an abuser. And yet they push forward anyway. Why? Because Richard Bay can smell a conviction going after the mentally challenged, and stockpiling convictions is how assistant district attorneys lay pipeline for their future political careers. If you think I'll tolerate any of the nonsense that went on in that last trial, I'm not entitled What's to up, freedom Holland? of speech. That wasn't about free speech. That was intended for the jury. It was not. Well, give me Both a break, you... Eleanor. They're not sequestered. She's hoping one or two of them will catch that little soundbite on the news. Look, I am this close to ordering that you two never be allowed in the same courtroom again. Mr. Bay, take something, please. Miss Frutt, consider yourself gagged. No more talking wow. to the press. That's all. You try to agitate me, Eleanor. Why can't you just admit it? This is a case we should plead out, but you personalize everything because you need to beat me. So you... Your client committed a murder. DA should take that personally. Oh, go away. Can I ask you something, Eleanor? Your guy picked up a board and clubbed an eight-year-old to death. Does that even bother you? Yeah, I or what if you chess? win and put the 17 going on 12 killer <laughs> back out there? That doesn't even give you a twinge. <laughs> what was it? Oh, maybe a chessboard. That'd be good. He said he didn't do it. Oh, well, I didn't know that. Let's dismiss that. Miss Frutt, my name's Eddie Chesler. I'm kind of a friend of Daryl's. Eddie Chesler, what is and? your duster jacket? He uh, he stole Blade's coat. <laughs> what can I do for you? <laughs> Daryl didn't kill that kid. Can we, like, go someplace? Talk? Wait, so how did... What's his name? Eddie Chestnut? Joey Chestnut? No, that's the guy who eats <laughs> the hot dogs. Uh, <laughs> it's Darryl. actually Joey Chestnut. <laughs> how did he just, like... Stumble upon Eleanor. He knew where to look for her. I well, I think so. Yeah. When while we're doing it, let's. Uh... Guy who stole Blade's coat. Guy who can eat so many hot dogs. He can eat so many hot dogs. He is played by Chad Todd Hunter, who you would know from The Fosters, Justified, True Blood, Captain America: The Winter Soldier, and Party of Five. 
Sookie, stack here. Sookie, back here, Sookie. Sugar. What's going on? A man by the name of Brendan Lohurst was found dead this morning. What? My, my son goes out with his daughter. We know. He was found at the bottom of his stairs with a broken neck. We think maybe his daughter pushed him. Or your son, Frank. He was seen fleeing the house. My son? What are you, nuts? He got an eagle, an owl stuck in his hair, and he stumbled down the steps. Exactly. He slipped on a chest. Where is he? He's in room three. I want to talk to him alone. No windows. You have my word. Captain Jawline is played by Drew Pillsbury. Go listen, Helen. What is this her kid, Kenny? Kenny Sutton. He lives in the neighborhood, and he's trouble. I think he killed the boy. Oh, the Why? lighting in this. Scene I was on my way over to meet him at that old house. Yeah. We kind of use it as a place to hang since no one lives there anymore. I heard a scream from outside as I was on my way up. Then I seen Daryl come up. He goes in. Then I seen Kenny come out. I think Kenny killed that boy before Daryl went in. Why didn't you tell this to the police? Because I got to live in that neighborhood. You ever spent any time in Charlestown? There's a code. Well, why come forward now? Well, I guess because I also got to live with myself. Well, I found this code at the Goodwill, and I was like, well... Are you prepared to testify to this? <laughs> if I have to. My whole identity is wrapped Eddie, up in my coat. You wouldn't happen to have a grudge against this Kenny Sutton kid, would you? Hey, I'm just telling you what happened. All right? Now, do you want my help or not? I don't know. He looks like he's like an extra from the Lost Boys. Oh, yeah, totally. Maybe he's a vampire. You didn't think about that. Yeah, something okay. to say. Okay. Uh, we've known each other a long time, Helen. I'll do what I can, Frank. Old personal friends. At least this she time he's not friends with Bobby. I asked her what was wrong, but she just yeah. said he did it again. I figured he must have hit her again. Her father hit her? Yes. And this has happened before? A few times. I even told my dad about it. She tell you what the fight was about? It was always about how she talked back. He was an ass. When they were interviewing the girl... Yeah. And they were asking her about being hit. <clears throat> she... Did we know it was the father hitting her and not the boyfriend? Or we were we like sort of red herring to believe it was the boyfriend maybe? Uh, when I saw it the first time, I thought it was the boyfriend. But I, they made it pretty clear pretty quickly that it was the father, not the boyfriend. It was a, it was a slightly red hair. It was a no. pink herring. She wasn't even there when he fell. She was calling me from her cell phone. You know for a fact she wasn't even there? Yes. How do you know? Because when I went there, I went alone. You saw Mr. Lowhurst. I took my dad's gun and went to his house. Okay, and what happened then? I went upstairs looking for him. He How'd got bad in? advice I from his in. cop dad. The door wasn't locked. Then what happened? He wasn't in his bedroom, so I went back into the hallway just as he's coming out of the bathroom. What'd you do? I pulled 
pointed the gun at him and told him if he ever laid a hand on Wendy again, I'd kill him. I just wanted to scare him, but he backed up and fell down the stairs. Yips. At first I thought he was knocked out, but then I could tell he was dead. I got scared and ran out. I swear, Miss Gamble, I never, ever wanted to hurt him. I just wanted to scare him. What's best case scenario? Gross negligence? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, maybe third degree? Or unintentional, but I mean, you go somewhere, somewhere with a gun, and threaten somebody and they die from something else, like, I, you're still pretty much culpable, You need to go right? to the DA, turn over I mean, the new the evidence, ask attorney. Re- I mean, don't you think he should have been chatting with a, a defense attorney first? Uh, yeah. I would imagine probably not a good way to start your defense by basically confessing to the entire thing directly to the uh, district attorney. Yeah, what would you Bobby know? Donald's first piece of advice have been? Don't talk! <laughs> Reopen the investigation. Richard Beck. Exactly. He won't do anything. You have to add him to your witness list. I'm doing that. My question is, do I come clean with what I've got, or do I just play the card at trial? Spring in a trial. Wait a second. If they investigate and this guy's story checks out, you might love avoid the a trial. Loose, man. It doesn't Wing sound like trial. it totally blows the prosecution's yeah. case. And if the trial goes forward, the less prepared Richard Bay is. Unfair surprise. No, it isn't. The witness is on the list. Oh, hey, hey Rebecca. Rebecca. I remember no. you. Just that he was in the area and then he and went Eugene. to the house with this Kenny person. Nothing about hearing screams. I don't have to tip that. Unfair surprise. It is not. It isn't. Look, put him on the witness list. Let him give his testimony. Let that be that. No way do you tip off Richard Bay. Bobby, there's a detective here to see you. Bobby. Frank, what's up? Oh, man. They are old friends! Shrinky! Hey! Eugene, could you sit in? Sure. <coughs> I personally know anyone who's ever murdered you anyone let him in talk. all of Massachusetts. He's not a criminal. You know, just a side note, perhaps I'm being uh, effusive, but Marla there, she, all she, her, her goal was to open the door, Keith. Mm-hmm. But if you fought, if you track her in that whole scene, she she looks at different people in the room. She's she. What I'm saying as an actress is she's playing the scene. Yeah, the script says go open the door, hold it open, and then at cut you cut. But she was she's invested in that entire scene. I, I think it's it's worth noting. Yeah, well, I mean, especially I with the the breakdown of her character, she has to spend she has to do a lot with very few words. And she needs to fill an entire scene and make it feel lived in, despite when she really is just making a quip at the end of each scene. While wearing that stupid headset. Stand, Frank, right. but he's facing criminal charges. Bobby, I know the way police think, okay? You don't talk, you're a suspect automatic. Well, it seems he is anyway. They're going to arraign him? I don't know on what. I mean, Helen Gamble promised Helen me. Helen Gamble's the DA? She said she might have to withdraw. Who do you else do you think of course it is, Bobby? She is. If she's going to help me, I guess she'd have to. Right? We only know two DAs. This is a homicide. It is not going to slip by quietly, and DAs rarely cut favors on murder cases. Trust me on that. Bobby, Helen Gamble's here. We're getting a lot of last names today. They kept mentioning Richard Bay in the last scene, and they kept saying Richard Bay. I just found out about the witness this morning. Oh, right. You were there when he walked up to me, Richard. What is your offer of proof? He was in the area. 
He may be no good to me at all. Who knows? But I'm desperate. Okay. My client doesn't have enough of an IQ Holland to Taylor contribute to his own defense. He knows that, that and I should face. be allowed to add one lousy witness. Your Honor, if I may respond, no, three quarters of what a judge the does. is allowed. Let's go into court and get this over with. It's not an official objection, but I think you favor her. All of my objections are official. We're charging him with second-degree murder. What did you say? Unfortunately, they're all over uh -oh. this upstairs. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down, Helen. Second-degree, that's life. With the possibility of parole. You heard it. It was an accident, for God's sakes. He's going to go to prison because of what? I mean, it's life, but since he's my godson, I'll make sure he has the possibility of parole because I'm Helen Gamble <laughs> and I have a heart. Politics? Right. It isn't politics, Frank. Helen, you and I go back pretty good. I mean, you looked me in the eye. You said you'd do what you could. And, and now I am. Frank, when you brought us in there for his statement, I thought he was an accessory at best. It was an accident. Guy falls down a flight of stairs. You bring murder charges? How is that anything? He fired the gun. Uh-oh. What? The gun had been discharged. We did a trace metal on Scott. He fired it. He then dug the bullet out of the wall to avoid us finding it. I'd like to help. But we've got an armed assault in a dwelling. We've got enough to make first degree, in which case there's no chance of parole. Murder two's a break, believe it or not. I'm sorry. Yikes, that's tough. Yeah, it's, they're painted into a corner there. The victim died of blunt force trauma to the head. Were you able to determine the cause of the trauma? Yes, wood board. fragments were recovered from the boy's skull, indicating he had been beaten with a wooden object. Did you subsequently determine the source of those fragments? They came from a plank removed from the flooring of the house, and later recovered by the officers in the alley behind the crime scene. This would be the piece of wood? Yes. And further analysis found it to be covered with blood matching the victims. And you tested for prints? Yes, I performed a fingerprint analysis of the latent prints lifted off that same piece of wood. And what did your analysis reveal? Comparison revealed those prints to match the fingerprints of the defendant. But it's possible that Daryl picked up that board after it had been used by another person to murder the victim. Your client's prints were the only prints recovered from the board. Which would be the case if the actual perpetrator wore gloves or if he wiped his prints off prior to my client handling the board. True. Well, he really seemed convinced there. I didn't shoot at him, just to the side to scare him. Some For God's sakes, why didn't lawyering. you tell me? I was afraid of how it would look. You aimed the gun! I shot six feet wide of him, Dad, at four feet away. There's no way yeah, I but you lied! Okay, you lied to me, you lied to them. I'm any chance of cooperation. God! All right, all right. Yelling's not going to solve anything. We need to think. Oh, thinking will solve it. Okay. Well, you should have just said so earlier. I didn't probably. shoot at him. Well, and I didn't it's a good push place to him. start. It was an accident. Well. Now what? He's being arraigned tomorrow. After I got that, an idea, Keith. I put my thinking cap on. I have a strategy. Okay. All right. Ready let's go. It? What you got? Just go to prison. Mm -hmm. The president will pardon you. He'll oh. your sentence. Right. It doesn't matter right. what you do. You could do anything. 
just sell out your country. It's cool. Well, as you know, as as long as you're you know doing something to uh, to help, yeah, the president destroy the world. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's all good. That's my that's my plan. He's gonna go to trial for murder. You just said something shitty about Hillary. He'll get out. There may emails. be another way to emails. go. Emails. What? I don't want to speak too soon. I, I need to do a little research. No, speak, please, Eugene. But we it's may been have episodes. What are you thinking? The case is that confession after he asked for his lawyer. He confessed to his father. Who's a cop? But he didn't confess to him as a cop. He was talking to his dad. That'll be Helen's argument. Doesn't have to be ours. Eugene. 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 That's really clever. He's, I like that. Eugene he was is always afraid. Awesome. Of him. Your son was afraid. All right, of let's him. introduce the dad of the victim who got killed with a chessboard. I guess he'd be the dad of the Russian in a loose musical theater chess reference. <laughs> what? I didn't track any of that, but I do. Uh, I, I do like a good Chess the Musical reference. Well, the one character is just referred to as the Russian, so I said he's the dad of the Russian. Right, okay. Because this kid would be the protagonist, and then the Russian is the antagonist who has been murdered with the no board. No man, no madness, though of sad <sighs> power may prevail. <clears throat> what have I wrought upon us? Ugh, what have we all wrought? All right, this is Daniel Zacapa who you would know from uh, The Mexican, The Sandlot, 724, Resurrection Boulevard. He played, he was also in Quantum Leap, but he was mm -hmm. on Deep Space Nine. He played Henry Garcia in Past Tense Part Two. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. The line must be drawn here. He has a very long career. Wendy, what was the, what was the girl's name in The Sandlot? I don't remember. Wendy Peppercorn? I don't, I, I don't think I've watched The Sandlot. What? <laughs> oh, you broke me, Keith. The Sandlot is a seminal movie for us. No, it can't. I, I think I was too old. Benny the Came Jet Rodriguez? Benny the Jet Rodriguez. No. Oh, you didn't watch The Phoenix. Some Somebody. Tell Keith how more mortally wrong he is on this. Mortally wrong. Oh my it's a god, kids James movie. Earl, James I was Earl Jones. Oh, you don't like baseball? Yeah, I would. I mean, I I watched Bad News Bears a lot. See, Keith, you that's the trifecta because it scratches three inches that you don't have: friendship, baseball, <laughs> baseball, and uh, you know, heart. Do you say why? Wow, Not really. <laughs> Brian would just Came say out that swinging. he was a little off. And then... Mr. Hutchins. I'm not off. Daryl. Mr. Tabbitt, did you regard your son's fears to be serious? So it's not about chess, is it? Not enough. No. I just wish I had done something. Gone to his grandmother. Checked him out. Objection. How could someone so clearly disturbed be on the street, unsupervised? How does that work? Objection. Sustained. Mr. Bay. That's all I have. Come on, Cameron. What do you got? 
Brian's fears, were they caused by Daryl ever doing anything to your son? Not that I'm aware of. It was mainly Brian got scared because he perceived Daryl as being a little off? Yes. Thank you. And sir, I'm very sorry for your loss. I love the latitude that they give them, the direction always gives them for silence. They really let them take the air they need. Yeah, yeah, and Cameron in particular is really good at that. So we're winning, right? Seems like we're winning. I wouldn't say that, Daryl. I think we are. You did great, Eleanor. Daryl, look. Um, Leo Fitzpatrick is really. I need to talk to you a subtlety bit more to this about performance this that fellow. could easily He's be cool. being done overboard, and I think it's really yes. well, really well done. Yeah. Yeah, he Are you really sure? Is. Absolutely sure that when you went into the house, you didn't see Kenny do anything? I'm sure. He was just leaving. Okay. Eddie Chesler. Yeah, he's my friend. Yes, I know that. Eddie seems to think that you might be protecting Kenny because, well, you think he's cool. If you are, Daryl, that wouldn't be smart here. You already told me that. But I'm not sure you totally understand it. If you saw this Kenny kid do something to that little boy. I didn't, I promise. You think I'm stupid, don't you? No, Daryl, I don't think that. Yes, you do. Look, I have to go meet Eddie because he's up next, so. Eddie Fisher? I want you to get some rest and I'll mm -hmm. see you tomorrow. This is the type of this is the type of Cameron's character that I really like. This this color. I just, think we're winning. She's so compassionate and so smart. Great scene. I and, love this, uh, Eleanor. Yeah. Legal question. Yes. Unfortunately, my intern is not around. Oh, I, I assistant office manager to the regional director mm -hmm, is on mm -hmm. vacation. Uh, so she said, "Go get some rest," and they're. They seem to be not in a police station. Is he being not held in lockup during this trial? Uh, no, he would be. I believe that at the courthouse, like the, there, mm. there might be a lockup in the court because because he was in yeah when we opened the episode jail when he was there. Well, maybe maybe he is out for the trial. A bail or bail or something. Yeah, could could be out on bail. I mean, I guess. Because this just, he feels like he's, I guess he'd be dressed for court, so maybe this is just an, an, a meeting room in the right. courthouse. Yeah, they definitely have meeting rooms there for exactly this purpose. Oh, yeah, see, there's okay. a guard outside Tomorrow the door. Tomorrow morning you're up first. Are you ready? Ready. I should just stick with the same story I told you, right? Which uh -oh. is the truth, right? You heard the boy scream before Daryl went in, and then you saw that Kenny kid come out? Got it. Never mind got it. Is that what happened or not? Look, I can only put you on the stand if what you testified to is the truth. So what if I just tell you it's the truth? You don't know otherwise for a fact, and you got no case without me. This isn't a game, Eddie. The rest of Daryl's life is on the line here. Which is why I'm here. What happened? Tell me. It all happened, Miss Frutton. Daryl went in the house. Kenny went in the house. The boy screamed. 
I just changed the order of things. Oh shit. Just put me up there. You are not taking the stand. Go. Just get lost. And Bay sees this. You have not helped Daryl Eddie. Now get out of here. You're not testifying. Yikes. Yeah, that that wasn't that wasn't good. No, no. Wow, that was a really trouble. Fade to so what are you gonna there. do? What can I do? Oh, Rebecca. I have to put Daryl on the stand. Daryl? Have you got a better idea? No, but he has the IQ of a twelve-year-old. You're gonna pit yeah, him against Richard Bay? Yeah, but he seems Bay? very honest Even when he speaks. I, I think have it's no actually They've could placed play him at well. the scene as Prince are all over the weapon. If he doesn't get up and tell a story, he goes away. But you can't still yeah, put and at Eddie some back point, on the stand? Knowing he's we'll need to have no, the discussion about that, whether somebody with a diminished capacity like that should even be charged. Should even be Anybody? on trial. Good luck. But same Case thing as having kids on trial. Commonwealth versus Scott Lopes. Bobby Donald for the defendant, Your Honor, wave reading. Ask for personal recognizance. Murder two. No flight risk. This was accidental. Murder two. The Commonwealth opposes bail. Stop bail is denied. the, the presses. Do you see who is on our screen? It is Gates McFadden. Dr. Crusher from Star Trek The Next Generation is on the show. She is the judge. Holy crap, people. It's Gates McFadden. For those of you playing at home, she also does things other than Star Trek, including appearances on Mad About You, Franklin and Bash, uh, Muppets Take Manhattan. She was credited as on Saturday Night Live as a woman kissed in the audience by Bill Murray. She also is a dancer and choreographer. For those of us super nerds out there, she choreographed The Labyrinth. And she also choreographed the episode Data's Day on The Next Generation, which is one of my favorite episodes and one of my most cherished possessions. My uncle gave me a, uh, an original script from Data's Day. So I uh, have that in my collection. Guys, it's Gates McFadden. Uh, did your uncle also give you permission to use that soundtrack on YouTube? Because I'm hoping he did. <laughs> <laughs> well, but this part's not Defense on YouTube, so we can do it. Oh, you're right. Right. You're right. Sixth yeah, Amendment yeah, grounds. Right. He asked for his lawyer and was denied. <laughs> the confession was made to his <laughs> own father. Thinking. My client's father Just is a police officer who went in to interrogate and sent Scott Lopes as his son. You gotta be kidding. He asked for his lawyer. They sent in a police officer. Bobby, even for you. Helen, even for you. All Even right. for you. What's going on? It's exactly what I said. Detective Lopes entered that room as a father, not a police officer. There's no state action here. And I disagree. Mr. Donnell, you're suggesting that Detective Lopes assumed the role of a police officer when talking- Wouldn't it be awesome if for COVID-19, they could just use one of those like Star Trek, like eye beams. They just like shoot at your ear or whatever they do. And then you're healed. The eye beams, they shoot at your ear. <laughs> you're a Star Trek fan. What's wrong with you? What is that thing? What is that thing called? Is that really like it's like the all-purpose medical device. You know what I'm talking <laughs> well, they about? Ha they have a medical tricorder. Okay. But you mean the like the injection thing? They're like stick thingy. It's like, and then you're healing. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly the sound. Yeah, that's great. Also known uh, as the eye beam thing. They the shoot eye in your beam ear. they shoot in your ear. Great. I'm going to leave it at that. Case to his own son. Like I request a short evidentiary hearing, Your Honor. I'd like to call Detective Mike McGuire to the stand. What are you trying to scam now? I object to that, but as long as we're throwing words like scam around... We're not. 
The detective will take the stand at 11. You're joking. Oh. Next case. Well, I walked up to the house because that's where a lot of us go, you know? Why is that? Because there's never any grown-ups there. And when you went to the house on this day, Daryl, what did you see? I saw my friend Darryl Kenny Sutton. He lives around there. And was he doing anything? Just smoking a cigarette, and then he left. And what happened then? Well, then I was going to leave because no one was there, but I had to use the bathroom. But when I went over by the stairs, that's when I saw him. Who? Brian Tebbett. He was dead. There was blood everywhere. And what did you do? Well, I poked him a little at first to see if he was still alive, but he wasn't. There was this big piece of wood on his head, and I lifted it off. Was it this piece of wood here? Yes, I think that's it. Wait, why is the... Why Darryl, is Bay allowed to touch it, but to she has it in the bag? School, am I right? I'm not stupid. No, no, you're not. You go to a special school because you're behind that's the other kids. That's actually an interesting pickup. Right. But you do understand, sitting in this chair under oath, it's important that you tell the truth. Yes. Are you telling the truth now? Yes, I am. I didn't kill that boy. I found him like that. But you didn't report it to the police. I told other people. Yes, you seem to go around celebrating it. Objection, foundation. Sustained. <laughs> Why didn't you tell the police? I told everybody I saw. If I had seen a policeman, I would have told him too. Ever have any arguments with Brian Tebbett, Daryl? Once in a while. Was he your friend? Not really. He was only eight. Did he and some of the other young kids tease you? Sometimes. Did he call you a retard? Sometimes, Eesh. but I'm not a retard. Did you ever tell him he'd be sorry one day for calling you a retard? But I didn't kill him. Did you hit him? No. Did he call you a retard when you walked in that house that day? No. He was already dead. Nothing further. It's pretty good. Mr. Hutchins, you may go back to your table now. Thanks, Judge. Miss Frutt. The defense rests, Your Honor. Mr. Bay. Uh -oh, One rebuttal witness, Your Honor. The Commonwealth calls Eddie Chesler. Joey Chestnut. Joey Chestnut, who he left his uh, sidebar. Oh, no blazer. Yeah, no duster. He's properly listed as a witness. This is a liar looking for attention. How do you know? Because he was very lie clever by Bay. And as soon as I found out his story was a fabrication, I properly excused him as a witness. And now he's looking for his 15 minutes of fame with you. He didn't come to me, Eleanor. I went to him. I saw your little disagreement in the corridor. I figured whatever he had to say didn't help you. I thought it would help me, and I was right. Lots of this witness is unreliable. Convey. His testimony could be prejudicial. So, cross him on what he told you. Was anyone else present for your conversation? No. Well then, shame on Come you. On. Never interview yeah, a witness alone. You. This is what you get. Thank you, Your Honor. I was so hoping for a lesson. I can't prevent him from testifying. You are free to cross-examine. Let's go. At that interesting point, twist. he asked to see his lawyer. And then what happened? Now we Ray stopped Bruce the interrogation. The then since his father was a colleague, trial. out of courtesy, we gave him a call. And then? His father came down, went in and talked to his son. 
Then when Frank emerged, he said that his son was ready to make a statement. Detective, did Scott Lopes ask to see his father? Actually, no, he just asked to see his lawyer. Whose idea was it to call Detective Lopes? Helen Gamble's. Your Honor, at this point, I'd like to call Helen Gamble. I'm the prosecuting DA. This is just an evidentiary hearing. So what? I'm the DA of record. I can't... Then maybe you shouldn't be. What the hell are you up to now? Your Honor. Ms. Gamble, please take the stand. You got to do what Dr. Crusher And says. as I was walking, mm -hmm. I was maybe 30 yards away from the house. I saw Daryl. The defendant. Yes. And can you tell the court what you observed next, Mr. Chesler? Uh, excuse me. Before you do, we should establish you're here under subpoena, aren't you, Mr. Chesler? Yes. You're, in fact, a friend of the defendant, are you not? I like the guy, yeah. And he's a good kid. In fact, you were prepared to lie to help him, weren't you? I wanted to help him. I admit that. You don't have any motive to hurt him? No. I don't. Okay. Unless you killed the Continue. dude. Continue. Could you tell us what happened next? Well, Mike thinks this guy killed the guy. The chest. I seen Daryl moving towards the house. Check. Then, all He's of a, a little, sudden, I heard this awful shifty. screaming coming from inside the house. You heard the scream after Daryl went in? No. No, before he went in. Daryl was still outside. He went in after I heard the screaming. Mr. Chesler, did you not tell me earlier you heard the screaming after Daryl Hutchins entered the dwelling? Yes, I told you that, but that's not what happened. The screaming came before Daryl went in. Mr. Chesler, oh boy. why did you tell Mr. Bay otherwise? Because I knew he wouldn't put me up here if I was going to tell the truth. Objection, move to strike. And I thought the truth had to come out however I could get to say it. I've been tricked. This is a, a sneaky, sleazy, disgusting trick. I'm just saying what really happened. Wait. Oh. Whoa. There's so many back doors Anything here, else, I don't Mr. know. Mr. Bay? Yeah. You could say no. that Richard Bay got short chain? His front. Uh, nothing, Your Honor. The witness may step down. As you would say, rook to the black square, I think. Anything else? Do you have any hot dogs? Mr. Bay. <laughs> Richard Bay might snap. We're adjourned until after lunch, and then we will hear closing arguments. Eleanor that looks smug well, as hell. That went very well. As a jury member, though, I mean, you just pretty much, I discount the testimony, right? Because I'm like, well, she says he was lying. He said he was going to lie. He lied to this guy. He's been lying to everybody. Well, maybe. It, I guess what I, as a jury member at this point, I'm like, I have no idea what happened. Yeah. And uh, that means acquittal. Because I have say, reasonable I've doubts. I have no Lopes idea what's for happened. Nine years. He's a friend. Yes, he is. Known him to be an honest cop? Very. What do they call shooter? it chess when you he come to an impasse? straighter than an his impasse, son, right? I guess. And so nobody if can his win. son told him the truth, you shoot it in your ear. Knowing Frank Lopes the way you do, ear laser. what did you think he would do with the information? I didn't think about it. You didn't think about it? No, I didn't, counsel. I was just letting a father visit his son. Well, Stalemate. you didn't Stalemate. let the father visit the son before the police questioned him. Only after the boy asked for his lawyer. 
Only after you didn't get anywhere, then you called for the dad. You sent for the father to get a confession you couldn't get, didn't you? No, I did not. You're under oath, Helen. I know my oath, Eugene. It is your testimony that when you called for Scott Lopes's father, you did not do it for the purpose of facilitating a confession. That's my testimony. Because you would never take advantage of a friend that way, would you, Helen? That seems argumentative. Am I allowed to object from the chair, Your Honor? The objection is sustained. Ask questions, counsel. Here's a question. As a friend, why didn't you have a lawyer present before getting a statement from Scott Lopes? Wouldn't a friend say, hey, you might want to wait for a lawyer? Objection, speculation. Truth is, the Lopes's felt they were getting legal help. Didn't they, Helen? From a friend. Objection, argument. Tough having to we be both a witness well. and a DA here, isn't it? Tough playing a dual role, huh, Helen? Objection, badgering. But you weren't playing a dual role the other day. You were just a DA. You sent that man to get on a mission Objection, to get... Objection, badgering. Are you going to rule or not? Move along, Mr. Young. I think you I'm done, Your Honor. need to go out. I don't have any questions at all. Got more Not heated anymore. than it needed to. Because I don't, I don't think anybody benefits from the emotion there. I don't question that Frank not Lopes was in that room as a father, not as a cop. And what's the issue? The issue is he was used unwittingly by the district attorney. She called him to get a confession. Regardless what was in Frank Lopes' mind, Helen Gamble's thinking was, let's use the father to get the information, knowing the father, a good straight cop, would turn it over. So you're a mind reader now. Well, Ms. Gamble, if professional courtesy was the goal, why did you not call the father before you hit the wall with the police interrogation? The police interrogation had started before I got there. Scott Lopes asked for his lawyer. By law, all questioning must stop. And all questioning did stop. It was his father. And on cases where the father is also a cop, the courts look to the totality of circumstances to determine, was the statement given voluntarily? Here it was, and everyone knows it. Crusher, what are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do? You want to call me as a Interesting witness? Case, I know though. what he told like you. Yeah. You can verify that his testimony was a total fabrication. Are you on drugs? As a matter of fact, I am. I've been pounding aspirin for three hours. Mr. Bay. Your Honor, Eddie Chesler just proffered false testimony. She knows it. You can't call me to testify against the interests of my client. I believe I can in the interest of justice. You can excuse yourself. He oh, can... come on. Look, what happened here? I have to admit this all seems very strange. The guy flipped on me, then he flipped on Richard anything to get into the witness chair. You didn't orchestrate this, did you? I'm sorry? Oh, how ingenious. Get the prosecution to call him. That way his testimony becomes a total bombshell. Hey, I am the one who excused his testimony when I knew he was going to lie. Which goes totally against your character. Oh, I should have known something was up the minute you started acting ethically. Have another aspirin. Your Honor, she has information. She's a witness. I use Advil to make my camera work, not aspirin, but... <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. Bay. I'm not going to allow the prosecution to call defense counsel to impeach a state's witness. You got a bad bounce. You'll just have to deal with it. What a chip. Excuse She's me. So this is a total so chip. Good. Oh, that argument you'll definitely want to save for appeal. Speaking of antiquated now, language. let's go. There's a lot of it in this episode. No eyewitnesses. Their entire case wait, is fingerprints. Wait, 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 wait. And you heard Daryl Hutchins it's tell you... Time. time to put your case to bed. It's closing time. 
For the defense, Eleanor Frutt. Two eyewitnesses. Their entire case is fingerprints. And you heard Daryl Hutchins tell you how those fingerprints got there. He picked up the piece of wood. Stupid thing to do? Of course. But Daryl is a little slower than the rest of us. And he just happened to walk into that house at the wrong time. And you heard Eddie Chesler's testimony. He said he heard the scream before Daryl went into that building, before he went in. And what about this Kenny Sutton? Why wasn't he called? Why wasn't he put on the stand to say that Brian Tebbett was still alive when he left the building? There is reasonable doubt everywhere you turn on this one. Eddie Chesler is a liar who tricked his way onto the stand in order to help a friend. The defense couldn't call him since they knew him to be a liar. Objection. Sustained. You know, it's easy to fall into the trap of looking at trials with a, a scorecard. Who built up the most points, who won the day, who lost, like it's a game. As I stood here in this room yesterday, egg all over my face, I'm sure I looked every bit the loser I felt I was. Imagine my embarrassment being surprised by my own witness. But this isn't a game, ladies and gentlemen. You don't go back to that room and decide who racked up the most points. The question is, who killed Brian Tebbett? Other than the untruthful testimony of Eddie Chesler, the evidence, all of it, points to Daryl Hutchins. Well all the he one piece of evidence he was alone with him in a house right. when mr hutchins left brian tebbett was dead with the defendant's fingerprints all over the weapon for once let's not look at this as a game you know truth be told sorry to interrupt closing but from, from most of most of the stuff i watch it seems to strain a bit of credulity that credulity credulity Credulity, I believe. Credulity that they would even bring a case, a murder case, with yeah. one piece of of forensic evidence, fingerprints, and and that even that is very light. It's a it's a pretty weak case. I mean, I guess they have to try because you know an eight year old was murdered. Yeah, but you keep but investigating. Yeah, yeah. It seems like yeah they they got a little ahead of their skis. That said, like. Richard Bay is a really good lawyer. He's doing the very best he can do with this bad hand he's got. Yeah. Let's hold a killer responsible. Okay, Dr. Crusher, what's your ruling? We've had parents extract confessions before, and the test has always been, was the parent acting as a parent or rather as an agent of the state when speaking with his or her arrested child. Nobody here seems to be doubting Detective Lopes went into that room as a father, not as a police officer. But to me, the question doesn't end there. Ooh. Anything designed to elicit an incriminating response by definition is an interrogation. Therefore, Ms. Gamble, uh -oh. If you sent the father into that room as part of a design to collect information, the court holds that to be an interrogation, even if the father was an unwitting participant. 
The question here is what was in your mind? Are they going to let Helen answer? Only you know. The court, however, is allowed to take note of your competitive reputation. The court also takes note that Detective Lopes never would have entered that room unless you sent for him. And since you sent for him after you struck out with the police interrogation, and since the defendant had invoked his right to counsel, I smell a foul ball. She's so good. The confession is suppressed. Whoa! The gun and the bullet are deemed fruits of the poisonous tree and are similarly suppressed. In the absence of this evidence, I find no cause to hold the defendant, and he is therefore free to go. Adjourned. Wow. Eugene just crushed it with that Thank idea. You. Thank you. I have to admit, I hate what you Everyone guys does do, not but look I love happy. it today. Would your honor have a big, long stick handy? Preferably barbed. I'm sorry? I'd like to bend over and have it run up my ass to complete the experience of appearing before you. Oh, shit. I'll let that go, counsel. Once. Wow, that's some restraint. I won't let it go, Helen. You sent me in there to do your work. With my own son. Come on, Frank. Come on. You're lucky she's... Helen does take a lot of hits. But I think it's the right verdict. I, I mean, really I think it's the right call. You, yep. We'll know in a second, Daryl. And if we win, I get to go home to my grandma, right? Is the checkmates referring to... That's right. Members Richard of the Bay jury, have you Helen reached Gamble a verdict? Getting... We have. Will the defendant please rise? Checked or mated? Yeah. What say you? On the charge of murder in the first degree, we find the defendant, Daryl Hutchins, not guilty. On the charge of murder in the second degree, we find the defendant, Daryl Hutchins, not guilty. Checkmate. It's unbelievable. The defendant is free to go. <laughs> Members of the jury, you are win. dismissed with the court's no. thanks. We are adjourned. Ellen seldom wins. It, Eleanor, he never wins. No. I think you can thank your friend Eddie. He helped too. It was my idea, you know. Oh, shit. I'm sorry? I knew if he testified for me, the jury would only, like, half believe him. But if he was a prosecution witness... You told him to do that? I told you I wasn't stupid. I told you I wasn't a retard. No, you're Whoa. not, Daryl. Well, I'm gonna go see my grandmother, because I know she misses me. So did he kill the kid? It seems possible. A lot more. There's a lot, a lot more, more doubt with it now. than you'd think. I have a lot less. Oh. I gotta say though, like Cameron's receiving of that information was just such good acting. There's been a lot of great acting in this episode. Always I, is. I, I don't envy the oops. I need you to talk me out of quitting. No. Why is it getting so hard to get convictions these days? Because people are becoming more distrustful of the police. I have a, I have a question DAs, before, we don't have the presumption of before they continue this conversation. Why is it so hard to make wine look like wine on <laughs> Not camera? Not Kool-Aid? Yeah. Well, I, I, I think it... I, 
because I, I this has bugged me for years. I don't think that it's not realistic looking wine, but I think under the TV lights, it makes it look a lot thinner and a lot brighter than it actually is. So I'm like, I, I don't understand do why they can't. Do you think it happens in the shot or is it happening in post when they do color correction? That's... It might, it might be happening in post. Yeah. yeah. But, I've, but I've got to, I've got to think that, well, because like it, it, it looks a lot more transparent because it's bright because of the big, the bright lights. I can't believe that they can't compensate for that in some fashion. Like knowing that between the lights and the color correction, it's going to be brighter. Why they can't just make it a little extra dark so that at the end of the shot, it looks right. At the, at the end of post. It's weird. I just, I just don't know. Answer my question. That's weird. Anymore. Why? I don't understand. Tell me. Did you send the father in there for the purpose of getting the kid's confession? Yes. So? If he were innocent, there'd be no confession to be had. Can I have your pickle? I mean, maybe it's fruit juice. I think it probably is, but even grape juice is darker than that. I need it, Richard. Oh, Give no. Keith. Richard Bay's doing the fake cut. Watch him. I need it, Richard. Nope, not no. cutting. <laughs> Give it to me. What? Didn't know your hands Speech. were in the shot. Why we do what we do. Oh, I am not really in the mood. That's on the editor. Please, you gotta cut Richard, away from I that. need it. Yeah. Please give it to me, and don't just phone it in. Helen. Please. Can't you see how demoralized I am? Okay. There are heroes in this world. They're called district attorneys. They don't get to have clients, people who smile at them at the end of the trial, who look them in the eye and say thank you. Nobody's there to appreciate the district attorney because we work for the state. And our gratitude comes only from knowing there's a tide out there. A tide the size of a tsunami coming out of a bottomless cesspool. A tide called crime, which if left unchecked, will rob every American of his freedom. A tide which strips individuals of the privilege of being able to, to walk down a dark street or to take $20 out of an ATM machine without fear of being mugged. All Congress does is talk, but it's the district attorney who grabs his sword, who digs into the trenches and fights the fight, who dogs justice day after day after day without thanks, without so much as a simple pat on the back, but we do it, we do it, we do it because we are the crusaders, the last frontier of American justice, knowing that if a man cannot feel safe, he can never, never feel free. Do they clap or does Helen kiss him or something? Thank you. What about your other pickle? <laughs> I love the detail of the pickleography there. Mm. Just makes the whole thing. Look, Keith, he did it again. Super fake cut. He's like an inch away from the food this time. <laughs> Watch. And when they when they pull out, look, he pulls brings up the fork and knife and he's not even near the plate. What is that? <laughs> Oh, I really did like that that final scene. Like 
regardless of the uh, of the pickleography the, or the uh, the cutting cut. issues. The fake cut really hurts. Cuts me deep. <laughs> or doesn't cut me at all, to be honest. Oh boy. Okay, so we just watched season four, episode fourteen, checkmates. And that brings us to our favorite segment. Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. Cameron defends a uh, a guy who's accused of murdering a little boy who, though he's a, the, he is a little slow, he orchestrates a end around in order to get himself acquitted, proving he's very smart. Richard Bay loses a tough case in that one, and then Helen Gamble also loses because she used a cop against his own son and gets called out by Eugene, who then throws her under the bus in front of Dr. Crusher, and so both the DAs are lost. <laughs> it's, I gotta tell you, the second that clock starts, I lose all ability to speak. <laughs> that was so bad. <laughs> well, you know what it's time for now. Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice Podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie. The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now... Here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the oopsies? Well, they're a fake award that we do at the end of every show, even when we don't deserve any awards ourselves, especially this week. But every week, we start with... Okay, who's your MVL this week? Well, I know we've been playing fast and loose with who we even consider a lawyer at this point. Uh, because We're there's all a lawyers case, in our heart. You know, there's a case to be made that, let's see if I can find him here. The kid, the... the Daryl Hutchins is yes. who you're looking for. Daryl Hutchins. I don't know how to look at IMDb. I, I try to avoid it because I don't want any spoilers. But all right, Daryl Hutchins, true. because he orchestrated quite the nifty trick to get himself. He did. No, he definitely guaranteed himself a uh, out of out of murder, possibly. However, on the in the other case, Eugene not only comes up with the play that ends up winning the game. But he executes the play as well. So, he does, right? So I think that, you know, and and let's recall that everybody was pretty stumped. They 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 seemed in one of their initial strategy meetings that it was pretty it was a pretty open and shut slam dunk case for the ADA right. for the district right. attorney. And so I have to say that we should have brought him to LA after all. Eugene right? coming back in and is the MVL for this week for for myself at least. Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, maybe if they brought Eugene, it would have been a one-parter in L.A. So, as opposed to a two-parter. So, uh, congratulations, Eugene, on your MVL. Coming up next. Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. Watch first entry on your IMDb. Way to go. Oh. But you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the 
Okay, best guest actor. This is where things get us into a pickle, Keith, if you will. Are you going to eat that pickle? Mm. I'm not going to eat the pickle. I, I'm, I'm a sweet pickle, not a dill pickle guy. Interesting. Give me all the dill. This is going to work out. This is symbiotic, Keith, because I don't like the sweet pickle, so we can oh, exchange pickles. Okay. All right. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's on the internet for everybody. Uh, it sure is. You're welcome, internet. <laughs> so, listen... I really, I know that your heart wants to give Crusher the M- her first oopsie. Sure, I know sure. it. Sure, I-, I feel it. She earned it in many ways. She's excellent. And what I think is, uh, who am I? What's the name I'm looking for here? Gates Help McFadden. Me. Yes, Gates Gates <laughs> Gates McFadden. <laughs> what's wrong with me, Locale Mike? What time is it? Oh, it's nine o'clock. Um, yeah. What an Awesome judge. I mean, we had Holland Taylor in an episode, and she's not the best judge in the episode. That right, is saying right, something. Right, sure, yeah. She, uh, Gates just carries such a, a reverence and commanded that courtroom. I really hope that she come back. However, I also think that Richard Bay, played by Jason, Jason Kravitz, Kravitz had an excellent episode. You know, he's got a tricky a tricky thing because the writing of him is very uneven. He's often used as the butt of a joke mm-hmm. or the comic relief, the sore loser, the throwing a tantrum, and that can easily be just annoying. Right. And he's managing to elevate that character to a sympathetic character, even being the antagonist most of the time. And I think mm-hmm. that that is a testament to him, not just s- slightly better writing. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're, I think you're right. I mean, he's, he's a, an antagonist that you want to see more of and have compassion for, even when he's being a jackass, which is hard work. However, I couldn't give him the MVL. I think Leo Fitzpatrick here as Daryl Hutchins. Is that who I... No, no, no. That's not who I mean. We're not even on that category. <laughs> We're on Best Guest Actor. We already did the MVL, remember? Right, right. I couldn't give him MVL. I oh, think, oh, 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 I see. I know what you mean. Yes. I think he was excellent in this episode in a part that, as we... Listen, you don't need me to tell you, has a lot of It's a treacherous part. Yeah, a lot of potential yeah. pitfalls. And I just think not only did he play it sympathetically realistically, honestly. Uh, there was so much compassion behind the portrayal. Uh, and yet, the, the character didn't even... The simplicity... They they went all the way around it, except for using the uh, kind of outdated and antiquated slur. They didn't really even give us much definition about other than he had a low IQ, really. Right, right. And what do they say? He was compromised or something like that? Regardless... Yeah, yeah. Regardless, it never felt like a caricature. It was always a three-dimensional living person. And for that, I credit Leo Fitzpatrick with my best guest actor, Oopsie. Oh, okay. We took a journey there. Yeah. I I thought he did great. Um, I I think Jason Kravitz did a really, really good job this episode. He he always does. Uh, But, of course, I have no choice. I am legally obligated to give mine to Gates McFadden, of course, because... Not only was she great, 
And she really was. She's Dr. Crusher. So, of course, of course, you get your oopsie. Now, All right, so can, yeah. I, I don't want to send Jorge on a into a, a rabbit hole of listening to all of our episodes again, but I would like to know the statistics of times when Holland Taylor was eligible for a best guest actor and was not awarded the actor. Oh yeah, oopsie. well she's now she's now done like twenty episodes or so, and she's she's functioned in this episode as just judge, mm-hmm. as opposed to. Uh, you know, Kittleson, the character, furthering her story. So it, it, she she always wins it when she has her own story, whereas here she was more of a set piece. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably uh, why she didn't win this time. But we must give out some more oopsies. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. I love that it's so hard. I hate that it's so hard, but I love it. We're running really long, so I will just fast track to the end here. Once again, fan favorite, host favorite, Cameron McIntosh, absolutely... Oh, somebody fix it. Cameron McIntosh, the, uh, the the theater producer impresario. Yes, he was so good producing Les Mis. What was, I, the, I love, what was the name? The, I mean, the big setup. <laughs> the big setup. You tell like, oh, we care so much. We're so invested in her, and she's so great. And we talk about all the time. And we do a two-hour podcast. This is the episode seventy-five. <laughs> And what was the couldn't... what was the person I I made up last week? Jason oh. somebody. Oh, I forget. <laughs> it was it was terrible too. Uh Cameron Mannheim. And we knew I knew it right from the beginning too when she had her doily on. That's when I knew it was going to be <laughs> Cameron McIntosh. Cameron uh, McIntosh. Oh Ma- boy, uh, bringing those big the big shows from London across the pond, you know. Really useful group, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's uh Wow. wow. I said that oh. and I said it with gusto. You sure <laughs> did. Well, oh, I uh, uh, yeah, so I I agree. I thought she she crushed it. Um this episode as she always does. I really like seeing the compassionate smart Ooh. uh character. So, uh Congratulations, Bob Hoskins, for winning <laughs> your Oopsie Award. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, there's one name we never forget. And we never forget to award him his Oopsie. It's time. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. To give Tom Brady his Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Who's it going to go to this week? <laughs> Okay, let me get back to where we're supposed to be here. What is happening? (laughs) You know what? Play the song. I'll do it. Oh, oh, oh my God. Yes. What am I doing? Why why don't I even... Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Massachusetts. That's That's not not the song. I do enjoy it, though. We haven't heard it. Is he coming back? Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Now we're just playing the bumpers. 
I was supposed to show last week's Tumblr 80 award, but I just clicked around and Cameron McIntosh produced my shitty podcast. I'm going to give it to uh, Union Square chess hustler Tom Brady this week. Okay. Union Square chess hustler Tom Brady wins the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Oh, we went on a journey there. We we Oh, boy. This episode has been a journey from the very beginning to the end, and nobody liked it. Keith, it, but, it, it makes me a little worried about our secret surprise coming up in a few weeks uh, that we can't pull it off <laughs> successfully. <laughs> well, we're all going to need to eat before. Yeah. Get some sleep. Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. All right. It is finally time. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Well, the episode definitely gets more spare tires than I receive. Than we week. do. That yeah. That is absolutely accurate. Keith's got a goddamn Advil d- glued to his camera to, to help and, keep it in yeah, focus. Well, and it didn't work. It didn't work, and besides which, like, this new camera just makes my face, like, you can see that life has messed up my face today, so I, I just look wrecked and sad, and I should have kept the old camera. Yeah, there was a nice This, this is a terrible blur. idea. Well, it, what's done is done. <laughs> Luckily, the episode had two strong cases, though I would... Uh, have already argued that the DA in both of those cases didn't really produce a strong case, but yeah. the cases creatively, I believed, were strong. I also thought that the twist in the A case with uh, the, in Cameron's case, was Cameron who? really, uh, Cameron McIntosh, you might have heard yes. of her. Yes, okay, great, great. Cameron uh, Crow. Yes, uh, was was an interesting twist, and it really kind of played with the way they approached that character, the uh, accused, the whole show. And I thought, you know, it it, it got me, It tw- and I thought that was neat. Because I thought that actually the friend, you know, I obviously thought he was, he was a red herring. And I really thought it was, that was handled really well. And in the other case, I, you know, seeing Helen get her comeuppance is, isn't really necessary. I, I We kind of see that, her eating crow all the time or yep. getting the, the bad break. But what I did think was really cool was the way they they played that line of whether the cop was acting as a father or a cop. And for once, we see the ADA being a little underhanded instead of just the accusations coming at the defense team 24-7. So I thought it was I mean, really interesting. I mean, to be fair, she has murdered people. That's a little underhanded. Yeah, well, you know, she's only feeling murdery when her and Bobby are in cahoots, and this time they That's weren't. true, that's yeah. true. So, all said, I'm going to give it a solid 8.25 spare tires. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I like this episode, too. Um, Wait. I like... What? The fake cutting, though, bothers me badly, so I'm retracting (laughs) another quarter of a tire for that, and it brings it down to an 8 spare tires. Brings it down to 8. Okay. Well, boy, that's... That's... uh, it's a high price to pay for bad cutting. Especially bad cutting with a butter knife. That's true, yeah. All right, well... <laughs> clink, clink, clank, clank, clink, clink. I liked both cases. I th- I found it interesting. Um, but... I, you know, I-, I wondered the whole time, why why did 
was Cameron the only lawyer in that case? Because usually you you'd want to have at, you know another person there. It's a murder trial. Like it seems strange that she was there all by herself. That she should have had. I mean, I know they discussed the case out of it, but in the courtroom, it's weird that you wouldn't put somebody like Rebecca should have been there or something like that. That that's not about the quality of the episode. It's just something I thought about. Yeah, no, I I I liked it. It didn't feel revolutionary, but I liked the final scene with uh with Richard and uh and Helen. Um but it, it this was isn't one that I'm going to be like, "Oh, I want to go back and watch that one again." It's, I I didn't find it super memorable. It was just a very good, very solid episode. And for that, it gets seven and a half tires. So that gets us to 7.75 tires, a pretty good episode. Feels fair. That feels fair. Yeah, seems fair. Seems right. Uh, definitely better than our episode. Good Lord. Well, guys, send us your feedback about the mediocrity of this episode at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can complain about it on the social media at outofpracticepodcast on Instagram and Facebook. You can leave a comment right below here on the YouTubes. We will read it and uh, leave us or leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and you will join the jury. And uh, yeah, you, you talk now. As always, you can donate to the show in one of two ways. A one-time donation or a monthly contribution. You can find the appropriate links to do so in our show notes. We thank all of our current and future sponsors for helping us keep the show going and to everyone who engages with us on social media. You can also support the show by leaving a review, as Keith mentioned, but also you can do so by recommending the show to a friend who might enjoy our nonsense or watching the practice for the first time. So get one of those laser eye beams and stick it in your ear. Stick it in your ear. shoot off some laser sounds. Laser sounds.